this is the Connected Media Podcast, a project by the folks at Roostful, intended to connect you, the listener, to our guest, an individual from the coffee industry. I'm your host, Zach Staney. In this episode, we were able to talk with Ray Murakawa, owner and founder of Melodrip, a company designing tools that are revolutionary in coffee experimentation. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the Connected Media Podcast. Uh, I've done a lot of talking this series, so I'm trying something a little bit differently today, and it'll be a similar format to what we'll be doing in the next three episodes with the next three guests. I've sent over a couple of questions, um, pretty simple standard questions to our guest who is uh, the famous Ray Murakawa um, with Melodrip, uh, the famous uh, coffee brewing tool and company. Uh, I can honestly say that I don't brew coffee at home without a Melodrip unless I'm doing something like cupping or using an AeroPress, but even recently I've been using an AeroPress with with a Melodrip uh, and using it as a brewer. And so, yeah, uh, I've got Ray here today, which is which is uh, which is pretty awesome. So thanks for being here, Ray. Oh, likewise, man. It's a pleasure. I'm excited. Ray, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk too much today. I I I give my opinions too much, anyways. <laughs> I've got to learn how to uh restrain it a little bit so i'd I'd like to just kind of turn it over to you i'm going to ask you a couple questions and if you don't mind just kind of taking the reins with that sure sounds good cool so ray um one of the the first question that i sent over to you um and you and you can tell as much as you'd like or as as little as you'd like uh but could you tell us just a little about yourself um yeah sure man uh i'm ray murakawa uh father of two happily married been in coffee for about maybe about five years um before that i was a video game producer so i was doing stuff for console uh was on the beginning of uh, this the uh j2me and brew uh flip phone gaming era into the smartphone era to the downloadable video game space um and then i i just got to a point in my career where i just wanted to flip the script and do something uh, a bit more innovative and something uh, where I could kind of have a voice um, that I was in control of. So rather than working on like large projects and doing products and, and software for big companies, I just wanted to kind of strike out on my own and see where I could innovate. Uh, and just being kind of in love with coffee for my whole life, I knew that there was a lot of space in coffee to innovate. There was a lot of room for people to try different things, uh, explore different ways of brewing and tasting. And, and uh, at that time, about maybe 2015, I started to uh, get into uh, brewing heavily. And, and that's kind of where the Mellow Drip journey started. But my coffee journey started like when I was like a child, like before I was even 10. So I would go to Japan uh, about almost every summer, but about every other summer until probably until my 20s um, because I have family out there. And in Japan, coffee was kind of available for anyone. 
uh, because it was on the street in cans in, in, in an iced or hot form. And one of my favorite memories is, is going to the bathhouse, getting out of like a bathhouse in the summer. It's kind of like, you know, 100 and, 100 and, 101 outside, 100% humidity. You, you go in the bathhouse with, you know, your, your, your family or whatever. Um, and you get out in this insanely air-conditioned space. Everyone's just kind of in a towel under their waist, just chilling. And uh, they had these huge refrigerators full of uh, ice-cold milk, chocolate milk, and coffee. And anytime they didn't have chocolate milk, I'd just get coffee. So, like, <laughs> this would be, like, 8 p.m., you know, hanging out with my uncle and my cousin. And we're just sipping these crazy sugared-up uh, milk uh, iced coffees, you know, uh, before going to bed. And I got crazy hooked because in the U.S., they didn't, I don't think they had like canned iced coffee back in the 80s. Um, so going to Japan was like just being able to overload on coffee because they sugared it up like crazy. Anytime I'd walk next to a vending machine or, uh, you know, like a, like a, a, a supermarket or like a mini mart, I definitely just go in there and just grab a coffee because it was so refreshing and so sweet. Um, and I basically got hooked on coffee as a child, man. And, uh, you know, at that time, like Kisaten's Japanese cafes were a huge thing. It was a huge hangout for old people, for young people. Um, and I would go to Kisaten's probably weekly with my grandmother. So we'd go shopping for stuff and she'd go in there. And, you know, we'd have like this weird, they, you know, they'd have like strawberry sandwiches. So it'd be like regular white bread with cream and, and sliced strawberries. And then you just get a, a, a nice coffee. And then for dessert, you get a coffee jello. So it, it was just a coffee. That sounds everywhere. so legit. That it sounds was, so legit. Man, it was insane. <laughs> and, you know, I'd share this stuff with, with my grandparents, um, you know, all the time. Uh, and it was just coffee at home, coffee on the outside. I wouldn't drink anything else because I knew once I got back from the States, there wouldn't be any coffee for kids. It's, it's just like taboo. You can't have coffee, right? Like if you're underage or whatever. Like if you're like eight, you can't run around and say, hey, can I go to Gloria Jeans or what was that? Like the coffee bean and get, you know, whatever. You're like, you're crazy, you know, just have an apple juice or whatever, right? So that was like, that was a lot of uh, the joy of going to Japan. And in Japan, obviously in the 80s, video games were crazy. Uh, and, you know, so I think it, it, it kind of defined who I was, like my whole career path has always been uh, looking towards Japan as a reference to whether it be quality or entertainment or things that were cool or new um, ever since I was a child. So, um, you know, it was going to arcades, going into Kisatens, listening to jazz music, drinking coffee and just uh, just kind of enjoying my culture. But at the same time, you know, connecting with my culture. So. Um, you know, fast forward to like college, I was like still hooked on coffee. And at that time I was in a dorm and I was like the dorm barista and it was really oh, sad, nice. man. I had like some kind of bodum or like a really sad, like small pressurized espresso uh, <laughs> machine. Yeah. And I didn't know anything. Like there was no YouTube. I mean, mind you, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm in my forties. So this is back in the day. And so there was like no reference on like how to, you know, really extract anything. So I had like a tablespoon, I'd grind on a blade grinder and there was like a local roaster that had all kinds of coffees. I'd buy like bags of this stuff and I just have a ton of sugar. This thing had the nastiest steam wand. I didn't even know how to clean it. And then I would, I would be tamping with like a tablespoon 
and pulling these shots that were like two minutes long because I just tamping too hard. Yeah. And, and dudes would just be lined up, like coming in and out of my dorm room, getting coffee. Yeah. And whatever I called cappuccinos back then, because cappuccinos were the thing back in that day, I had these massive bowls from like Pier One or something just stacked up. Like I was running a whack cafe and, you know, I wouldn't get paid. I just loved the smell of coffee. I love coffee so much. I just wanted to like expose people to it. And, you know, in college, everyone's on some kind of substance. Like I did not get into drugs at all. Like I didn't get into partying it, because I was just hopped up on espresso like all day long, like before class, between class, after class, before I go to bed, like everything, just the nastiest cups of espresso. But, um, <laughs> you know, that was like in the, in the early nineties, like late, yeah, early nineties. I was that guy going into the coffee bean asking for like a quad ice espresso and just, you know, no milk, just kind of making it just all raw and you know i just felt good like you know it just gave me a, a different kind of vibe so like um even through college from my childhood like i never stopped drinking coffee it's always been part of some kind of enjoyment or some kind of pleasure um and then later on into like the 2000s uh you know i just i found specialty and and and, and pour overs and and brewing and that kind of that you know shifted my love of coffee in a different direction but uh you know most of my life has just been like video games <laughs> music and coffee you know every every like every uh every momentous part of my life has had you know at least one of those three in them um so uh, it's kind of you know what i'm doing right now is kind of an extension of, of what i've kind of been doing um so yeah so even like when i was doing video games it was you know, I was a producer, so I was doing product management and QA, product development, sales marketing stuff too. Uh, and and I just wanted to shift it over from doing software to something hard, like a hard good. And that kind of led me up on this whole mellow drip journey. So it's it's basically just an evolution of what I've kind of been doing, like in terms of my skill set. It's just kind of led me here. So uh that's kind of that's kind of where i'm at right now man it's it's kind of all evolved into this is what i'm doing <laughs> which is a really strange thing because i'm creating a product that like no one knows uh what it is what it does like i can't tell a layman or a layperson uh what it is i do um <laughs> that's always, I, that's I, always I, so hard right right like for <laughs> anyone in coffee i think it's the same thing because they'll you know even if you roast they think you're a barista or like if you're a barista, they think, you know, I don't know what they think. It's just, you know, like it's, 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 it has been like the greatest journey, but it's, you know, it, it was, it was difficult because I knew going in, um, being someone who understands product, uh, that it would be really, it would be an uphill battle to sell what I'm selling or to explain to someone what my product does, how it brings value, what problems does it solve? Like, I knew it wasn't a product for, you know, asking for investment. It was, it was literally like a labor of love, you know, because, you know, you tell someone that you're making a shower, like they're going to be like, why? Right. Uh, <laughs> and, and I think at that time, like 2015, 2016, when I was, when I shifted into just doing Melodrip all day, uh, even, you know, myself, like I had no idea, uh, you know, how to properly use the tool. 
Um, I think that the the whole inception of it was just kind of nerding out and thinking about like, you know, if we have all these variables, how do we, uh, how do we separate them from each other? How do we have more control over these things independently without them being connected to one another? Like typically, if you're thinking about um, distributing water, you're automatically distributing heat, you know, and you're automatically distributing agitation. Um, like our concept of like low agitation was pouring slower, but then you're reducing heat and hydration. So like this, this tie that all these pieces had together, was, it just bothered the hell out of me because I'd read all these books and go on forums and, you know, they say, hey, if you do this, uh, you know, let's say uh, if you pour a little more gently, you'll reduce agitation. But then it's like, well, you know, you're also reducing heat, you know, filtration. Like, so how do we separate this? How do we have more control? How do we understand what these things are doing independently um, before we're able to really uh, say that exactly what they do together? Um, so basically that rabbit hole kind of sparked the whole Melodrip thing. And I started making like really, really janky prototypes, man. Like I have a bunch of stuff in my closet and all over this space, <laughs> like just cooking utensils, baking stuff, uh, plumbing shit, like everything, right? It's just, it's <laughs> nuts. Uh, it's so ugly. I only show this corner of my room because it's so, everything else is just like despicable. There's like drip, drippers everywhere, like meshes and all this stuff. But anyways, when I started, I bought a bunch of science gear, like plastic Petri dishes. And uh, the, the OG handle for the prototype of Melodrip was a fingernail. Uh, it was a fingernail replacement holder. They sell these things that come in stands. They're like a little, a tiny paddle, about an inch tall. That's like thick. And this thick area is supposed to hold like a cosmetic nail. And so it was just round enough to fit around the outside of a Petri dish. So it was just like this 90 degree angle, like a straight vertical handle. And I would hold that with these plastic Petri dishes with all these hole, holes in them. And that's how I started R&Ding it. So I started like making different hole patterns, uh, hole counts, drilling from the inside to outside like this. And this whole thing uh, got me into really uh, understanding how water works and water distribution works, like through porous objects, through filter paper. Um, and because that's just all I've been doing for the past like five years is just that. And so like when I started Melodrip, like I knew I was able to separate uh, agitation uh, kind of independently from heat and hydration and, and, and experiment with all these things, get all this data. But then it came to a point where like when I got my refractometer, like the whole thing just, it just blew up in my face. I was like, oh man, now I really don't know what the hell to do because like I wasn't able to pull like, you know, like high extractions. Um, and you know, that kind of informed me that, you know, like if I wanted to release this as a product that had to be like a high level of education because everything that I was doing like 24 hours a day wasn't in a book, wasn't on a forum. It, 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 it you know, like they, they have, all kinds of science, scientific papers on how uh, percolation works, how you know water distribution works. Uh, but I think when you're dealing with coffee, because you're dealing with uh, a porous uh, substance that's changing, like every time you pour, uh, you could take a snapshot of a certain moment, but that doesn't necessarily uh, it doesn't necessarily extend throughout the whole brewing cycle. You know, you're doing three pours, four pours, five pours, 
uh, across a three-minute period. And if there's a scientific paper on a specific phenomenon that happens at the first pore, it's not very relevant on the second pore, or it's not very relevant if your coffee isn't very volatile. Um, depending on your grind, you know, the porosity, the, the, the slurry is, is in a different state every time you pour because yeah. particles get stratified and, and the whole composition of the slurry changes over time. So it just took a lot of R&D and a lot of practical R&D too, because uh, you can understand like what's happening uh, second to second, like you could theorize it, but without really having that feedback loop of what you're tasting, what you're measuring, it's almost impossible to know exactly what's happening because we're working kind of in a black box. Um, a lot of, I think, education for how we pour comes, you know, through that feedback loop. But at the end of the day, we don't know exactly what's happening moment to moment. And that's something that I've been trying to record on video or uh, just log uh, ever since I started um, R&D Melodrip. So a lot of a lot of the instruction a lot of the uh the methodology behind it is is just like thousands of hours of me drinking tons of coffee and and doing just hundreds of different recipes um and breaking them up into like uh dominant phases of like a brew from the bloom to you know first second pour to final drawdown and just breaking just isolating these things and seeing what the slurry looks like um, even from a cross-section and then just kind of measuring each process and seeing the pros and cons of, of uh, I guess, typical traditional brewing methodology versus when you use Melodrip. Um, anyways, I'm rambling. It's basically, uh, I just want to, you know, I, I think my point is that the the biggest hurdle for Melodrip was kind of educating the, uh, the consumer. Um, because at that time it was just so strange. People thought I was trying to replace the kettle with a shower head and it just doesn't work like that. That just, you just can't brew like that. You know, right. you need some level of infiltration, uh, in order to properly, um, extract, uh, throughout like the verticality of the slurry. So, um, it, it that was the hardest part because, uh, I think like a lot of the traditional schools of thought, um, are true mainly because they've been true for like since the fifties or the forties. And the thing was that I was trying to do something different. Um, and I think it was taken as just trying to do different for different sake. Um, and it was, it's hard to explain everything on like a marketing sheet right. um, because it just sounds completely gimmicky. Um, and then, uh, I think at that time when, before I released, I've been doing Melodrip for about, I think, two years, just trying to create a recipe that worked for the standard home grinder, you know, up to the EKs at that time. And that was probably the biggest thing, it was educating myself on what, you know, Melodrip can and can't do, uh, what a standard kettle pour can and can't do. Um, and then where's that balance between finding a recipe that actually works, extracts high or higher consistently, um, and that's doable or manageable for the average consumer. Someone's reading an instruction manual and you have like some insane 50 steps, which the first Melodrips had like 50 steps. It, it wasn't 50 steps, but it's ridiculously long um, because I was just kind of in this crazy science mode. Uh, I, I just knew that it was not practical. You know, we released a beta, a beta test and 
we got feedback like this shit is too hard to do. Like this is confusing. Uh, I'm not extracting high enough. Some people, you know, uh, appreciated the clarity, but they wanted more strength. So like I had to go in the lab, back in the lab so many times before I yeah. actually released post Kickstarter um, because it was just the education process was hard because everyone I think who got the mellow drip at that time wasn't thinking about isolating agitation as like something that you actually input manually, you know, uh, like controlled agitation methodology was not part of the vocabulary in 2015. Um, and trying to control the amount of flavor clarity or flavor transparency or separation, it wasn't a thing in the home brewing community. People would talk about, oh, this grinder tastes more transparent than this one, but what techni techniques do you apply to achieve that on any grinder? And that was the answer that I wanted to have, you know, and how important is that? It, it's super not important. It's like, you know, who, 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 who really cares about that? You know, uh, you know, unless you're absolutely crazy about coffee. And at that time, you know, home brewers were crazy, but I don't think they're as crazy as they were now. Right. Like now it's just kind of a different level. You know, <laughs> back in the day, it was just like, if you had a virtuoso in a V60, you were like, you were, into you were it. the nerd, man. Yeah, you, you were, were like, oh, bro, that, yo, I don't even know. Just give me a Folgers, man. Like that, that was the era around 2015. And like, um, it, it, I think being able to find a recipe that worked for that gear, that crowd was tough. Um, something that was easy to follow was tough. And um, I think just, I, I guess it was kind of going against the grain of what was standard back then. Um, was like controlling or or eliminating agitation in certain parts of the brew. Uh, so it, it's just the education part was tough, man. You know, it's like people felt threatened. They're like, man, you can't do this. You know, it's like, you, you, you know, I like, you're, to pour with, I like to pour with my gooseneck kettle. Yeah, it's like, you know, you're supposed to do this. You're supposed to do that. What do you talk? You know, it was written. And, and I think like more and more, uh, as much as, you know, people have opinions about uh, coffee on social media. I think what social media had helped was everyone became their own point of education. Like everyone had their own style, their whole, whole uh, their own flavor or their own personalization when it came to coffee. Um, because because it, a lot of it was based on aesthetic, people, you know, like in a large mass went like, you're pouring wrong. Uh, you know, what's your ratio? You're whack. What's it EY on that? Like, you'll get that from maybe our crowd, but like typically if you have a, a really, like a pretty picture or a nice video, people be like, that's dope. I like that's that. I want to try that. I want to try that roaster. It's like pretty chill. And it yeah. kind of gave people this, this, uh, this space to kind of express themselves in a way that was out of the books, you know, was out of the standard teaching. Uh, and, and that's kind of where I thrive because I always like to experiment. I always like to do something different, whether it be with a tool or with filter combinations or with recipes or a grind or whatever it was. And social media is a place where you could, you could kind of do that. You might get hate or you might get some kind of pushback, but like a lot of people appreciate it for self-expression. Yeah. And that side of coffee is kind of flourishing now. And I think that's the side of specialty that's great about the community that people feel this level of identity where they can kind of express themselves, be who they are and, uh, and, and, and still give back to, uh, the, the coffee loving people 
you know, on the other end. Um, so it's, it's been an interesting journey because of all this stuff. Uh, I'm still like experimenting with recipes on Melodrip. Even like five years in, it's just, it's, you know, there's a way to brew with it. Um, and there isn't a way to brew with it. It's a fine line yeah. because you have to, uh, you have to appreciate the fact that you're not infiltrating the slurry the same way you are with a kettle. Mm -hmm. So what's the trade-off? You wouldn't do a long, you wouldn't do a long pour with a mellow drip. It makes no sense, right? You yeah, know? it doesn't, right? right? And, and you know, this is stuff that I was just tackling early on in the development, you know, just kind of like high water levels above the slurry and surface runoff or, or what people call bypass. And it's just like people starting to like appreciate that now. So right. like three, four years ago when, you know, I understood these problems and people were like, you idiot, you don't know crap about coffee. It's like, bro, <laughs> trust me. Like I'm, I'm, I'm beyond, beyond that. Okay. You know, like in five years when you're, you know, talking trash about X, Y, and Z, it's like, I'm trying to solve that problem right now. Um, Did you get hate like that? Did you get hate? Like that was that severe? Like people saying like you idiot <laughs> and stuff like that. Uh, you know what? Surprisingly, not that much. Okay. You know, maybe, maybe just a handful of people that I was going to say, that's pretty, <laughs> that's pretty harsh because man. there's, there's You're a lot of, not a product. Yeah. There's just a lot of people who, just, who, who, you know, uh, who know what works for them. It like works for them consistently. And right. it's like, yeah, it does, man. But I'm not trying to achieve the same cup as you, man. Exactly. It, that, that's just what it is. Like, and people who have a hard time, like taking that, um, you know, feel offended. And it's like, man, uh, it's like we appreciate the same product, you know, just in a different way, just in a different perspective. And, you know, like the 1% of time when I just do pure bear kettle like recipes, I, I know what people are tasting, you know, like I have to, right? Like I have like, like five, six grinders because I want to know what the home brewers are tasting, what uh, people who are buying my product are tasting, you know, on what recipe, like what grind settings, like what kind of roast styles are you brewing on? Like, you know, I have to keep this in mind. I can't just crush out 26% on light roast all day. It's like, it, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't, that doesn't help my customer, you know, because they'll come at me with questions like I'm using this kind of coffee, this grind and this grinder, you know, with this recipe, how do I change it this way? I have to have an answer for that, you know, because like most people don't have an answer when it comes to like melodrip. It's, exactly. it's not proliferated. Like, you know, it's not like a chemix. I mean, the thing is like three years old or something. So there's so much education that still has to be done within that like controlled agitation methodology that, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's a constant learning process, man. I think yeah, to, to make two points off of what you said. And I think that's kind of the issue in, in, in my opinion, when people, look at any kind of new brewing method or new brewing tool or grinder or whatever. And you look at it like the answer, but that is not even what Melodrip is. It's not the answer, but <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's been something that has like what you said, you know, four years ago has created now kind of a bridge that we can understand things more. And I think, you know, with all due respect to, to people like Jonathan Gagné and, and Scott Rayo, a lot of the content that I see coming out right now, is stuff that I see that was kind of the way was paved, you know, by Melodrip, you know, and I, not to just blow smoke at you, but, but I think, you know, the, 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 what the tool provided was, was more than an answer. It was a way to get answers. And that's kind of, you know, more, more valuable because is there really an answer, one single answer? Um, 
so I think that's I think that's pretty I think that's pretty interesting, you know. Um, yeah, I, I kept I kept I was had my head down and I was writing down notes uh, and I was starring the ones that I wanted to. But you kept answering my questions. During <laughs> your, <laughs> I rambled too much, man. But no, 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 you didn't. That was you have way more uh, important things and and way more uh, interesting things to say than I do. So I'm I'm very glad to hear you talk and not myself because I can also ramble. But my rambling can just be for the own, my own pleasure of hearing my voice. So, um, but yeah, man, you know, you said another thing. Uh, you were talking about giving you know 50 50 plus steps when when the first mileage up came out uh and and it just makes me think about how when when you are like so young in something the amount of information that you have to give because you don't quite understand the product yet but then when you get to that point you understand how much more you're how much less you have to say and you can only teach someone as to how much you know and so i think it's 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 very obvious with the intention behind you and behind mileage and what you're doing because you see the intention of, of, of you're trying to understand more because you can only teach someone what you know. You can't teach someone what you don't know, right? Yeah. So I think that's important. Um, but that's awesome, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's very good, uh, uh, very good content. That <laughs> I, lo- I, love, I love that that's being talked about. So um, I did have a, a couple of other, uh, other questions for you, but I, I think that's, you had you had mentioned something earlier, and for for on a little note about this podcast, you know, you mentioned something earlier about how people would come at you and like, you, what are you doing, you idiot, you know, and all all this stuff, um, and and even you having to try to explain what you do for your job and what you do for your career at the moment. I, I think that's I think that's interesting. That is, you know, our purpose for for starting this podcast. We we see a we see a gap in like the understanding of what people are actually doing within the industry. While we may know the position, we almost view that person as the position or, or even uh, what we think is a position. So having you on here is, is great because I, I think, I think that's that maybe hopefully can, can bridge that gap a little bit. Um, but one thing that I didn't really quite think about for the listener that may not be familiar with Melodrip at all, um, could you give a little small rundown even though we we kind of went over what melodrip does it was kind of in the pieces of someone that may be familiar with the product could you give a small rundown of what melodrip is and yeah just what melodrip is (laughs) (laughs) but you make it sound so simple like it's it's hard like I, i have a buddy who um who's a home brewer uh who is my biggest salesman? Like anytime we go to a cafe, it's like, yo, yo, you use Meldrit? And I'm like, no, don't, don't, no, nah, nah, I don't want to get into this, man. You know, just because it's, it is difficult to explain, you know, yeah. I'm, he, he always tells me like, I'm the worst Meldrip salesperson because I am like, I, I suck at it because I know you don't need it. Like anyone who's listening is like, you don't like your life is fine without it. Like it's, <laughs> you know, um, I think most of the people who gravitate towards it, uh, like experimentation and like uh, trying out different brewers, different techniques, different recipes. And I kind of never changed that target. Like I always felt like those are the people who get the most value out of Melodrip. Um, one of the features is that uh, you could 
kind of it smooths out the edges. So even if you aren't that experienced at pouring, if you pour a little too fast, too slow, it'll maintain a, a, a relatively uh, even output flow. So for beginners, you know, it's it can help too. Um, but anyways, getting back to answering getting back to answering your question, it's essentially a water distribution tool that's handheld, and it has uh, 31 nozzles that restrict the flow of water coming out of your kettle. Um, and you basically pour onto this dish and out comes kind of tiny droplets uh, of water that you distribute over coffee. And what this does is that allows you to control agitation when you want to minimize it. Um, and, you know, there's several reasons why you'd want to do that. One mainly being uh, particle suspension. So when you suspend any kind of small particle slurry in water, the water becomes kind of, uh, I guess, I guess, filled with small particulate. And that particulate, especially the smallest uh, sized ones, can flow through your filter paper. And it could also impact the... Uh, the flow rate of your filter paper. So this is something that like, I think people, when people tell you not to over agitate, uh, one of the things that they're actually telling you to do is to reduce the amount of suspended particles you have in the slurry. So you don't clog the filter paper. So you don't uh, slow your flow down. And that kind of affects the time, the total brew time. I'm doing a really bad job of explaining. <laughs> is but the overall um, the overall premise of the tool is to allow you to control agitation to get a cleaner cup of coffee and to maintain your flow rates um, and that's basically what it is in a nutshell it comes with a stirring stick which is meant for the person brewing to feel what's going on in the brew bed and at the same time dislodging any kind of uh, dry particles or any kind of dry patches inside the coffee bed. So it's more like a, an instrument that you use for brewing rather than like a brewing device per se. Okay. It's, you know, a lot of people categorize it as like an accessory. So yeah. if you're in any other kind of profession, whether it be cooking or if you're a barber or whoever, whatever you do, you'll have a, a, a variety of instruments that you use for specific circumstances or specific situations. And Melodrip is uh, just one of those instruments that you'll use for brewing. Um, it's, it's so hard to explain what it is. That's why like, I don't have like, I don't have that 30 second elevator, elevator pitch like go, you know, it's, yeah. I, it's not that kind of product. Um, so it's, I think hard, it's fine. Yeah, it's hard. To, it's hard to describe. But if you just go to just Google Melodrip and you'll see uh, it's a handheld shower head that you can use for when you do pour overs. Better, what's your social media <laughs> handle? Because you're, you're, you're even... <laughs> I'm terrible, but, man. Dude, no. Hey, I, I think that's... That, <laughs> that's, 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 that's what, you know, I, I, I expect nothing less from you, right? You know, just the, not the terrible... <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a it's another level it is and and it's it is how i would describe riskful is is a subscription for the curious i would describe melodrip a, a an accessory for the curious you know i think i think yeah, it is yeah. 
for someone who's curious and i love that i might that might be my five second elevator pitch right there man it's an accessory for the curious <laughs> yeah man <laughs> and by the way subscribe to roastful coffee Definitely. you gotta you gotta say that in your in your elevator pitch whenever you're <laughs> talking to people so you just sell both of the products at once um no but uh yeah i i think two qu- or one question uh real quick actually a couple of questions so the melodrip the handle is made from what type of uh material it's stainless steel attached to a Triton uh, plastic. It's a it's a copolyester. It's a BPA free plastic, but um, so that's currently that's the setup right now. Okay. And, and the glass stick is a borosilicate uh, glass stick. What what was the thought process between? Because I'm not familiar with different materials in terms of plastic and uh, glass. Um, what was the thought process behind those two decisions right there? It man. It's, uh, I'm obsessed with clean, like clarity, like I'm obsessed with glass and water <laughs> and, and, and like, I love aquariums. I love, I love, I love clear objects. I just have a fascination with, with light. Um, and trust me, man, I wanted to make this thing out of glass, uh, except that <laughs> for one, from a production perspective, the iterative process is like diminished down to like just several iterations because it's so expensive to create uh, what I wanted to create out of glass, um, right. which is uh, independent, uh, independently, uh, independent chambers of water distribution with like nozzles on the ex- exit side right. um, to eliminate any kind of streaming, just to keep independent droplets. Uh, the companies that can do it are companies that make like uh, synthetic organs, internal internal organs, um, and, and it's just cross prohibitive. It's just impossible, especially for a product that I knew was going to be niche, and was was it was just going to be too difficult to sell if it cost you know three hundred bucks. Yeah. So the next thing was who's going to be using this, and it's you know people who have kitchen products in the kitchen, maybe at the bar. Um, so it had to be durable and it had to be something that, uh, could withstand high temperatures. So that was the, the class of plastic that I'm using is high heat, uh, in terms of it could withstand high levels of heat, uh, consistently, um, without deforming. So that's what that plastic is. Um, and basically if you drop it, it's not going to crack. I have dropped my mellow drip a couple of times. So I'm very good. <laughs> I'm very glad that you did not go the glass route from a personal perspective. <laughs> I know. So, so that's that's kind of, that's a, that's the reason behind the materials, um, and it stays pretty clear. Uh, I I have melodrips that are like three years old and they're still pretty clear. I use yeah. you know I don't use tap water, but uh, if you use you know regular brewing water, it should it should maintain some level of clarity. Yeah. Um, it's relatively easy to clean and it's it doesn't really uh, harbor all kinds of bacteria. So it's it's a good plastic to you, yeah. especially from a cost perspective. It's, it's an expensive plastic, but compared to metal or glass, it's, it's loads cheaper. Yeah. Um, and for a product that we knew was, wasn't going to like sell gangbusters, it's like we had to go uh, the safest route because, you know, even now it's just like, it's, it's still a hard sell to the average consumer. So um, it's definitely a niche thing, but um, we've had people ask for metal and we've been working on different metal alternatives to offer a non-plastic version. And we do have uh, designs for metal. They're just 
heavy and expensive. So right. the Melo drip will end up costing maybe two, two and a half times more. So if someone wants to buy $85 Melo drip, like, and because you just want metal, um, you, you might be able to in the future, but it would be like a limited run type of thing, you know? And that's the thing I think that's so appealing about Melodrip also is that it is pretty, it is pretty accessible, you know, from a, from a price standpoint, it, it's not, uh, you know, for the most part, going to break your, break your, break, break your bank account. I, I think it's at a really good price and it's a great gift. I, I love giving Melodrips as gifts. Um, <laughs> Thank you. So, um, but yeah, from a, from a material standpoint with the Melodrip plastic versus metal heat retention, and thermal stability there, what would be the difference between a plastic uh, shower head and a metal shower head? It's interesting, man. I've done like limited tests on like a stainless dish, but if I were to release it, we are working on aluminum prototypes um, only because aluminum gets hot really quick, but cools down really quick. Okay. Um, the thing is that just testing between stainless and aluminum, because aluminum heats up so fast it actually transfers heat i think instantaneously and okay. keeps that curve pretty uh pretty consistent to plastic um because it doesn't really absorb stuff you know it doesn't really absorb much heat in terms of what the construction is because water doesn't dwell in the dish too long uh, once the material that it's hitting heats up to kind of where its peak is it kind of stays there. So yeah. once it gets to like 200 or 205 or whatever it is, it'll continue to stay at that, uh, that temperature while you're pouring onto it. Once you release it, then aluminum will just boom, it'll cool down. But at that point, your water's, you know, all the poured water's in the slurry already. So it'll like I would back up. Yeah, I would go for aluminum over stainless steel. Stainless steel, the heat curve is like 10 seconds behind in terms of how hot the water coming out will get like coming okay. through the shower will get uh so it'll be about like seven to ten seconds until it gets to the same peak temperature as plastic and aluminum have you brewed with a stainless steel model yeah it sucks because <laughs> because it takes so long to get hot right and it's super heavy man it's it's yeah. it's heavier than the handle at at the current design so you, it's just like, it's so front heavy. It's super hard to like balance and keep at this horizontal angle. Mm -hmm. um, so stainless steel, although, you know, there's benefits in terms of like uh, just back, you know, just low bacteria and, and, and food safety uh, in terms of heat, I think just thermal mass is just so huge that you would have to preheat it like crazy for like you know, 30 seconds in order to get a similar kind of output. But the weight and the usability sucks. Yeah, you know, so it's it's really about aluminum, and having an uh, an anodized aluminum to make sure that the surface is kind of food safe, uh, is the way to go. Except that aluminum is expensive because you have to mill it out out of like a large block, so it's just the cost um, is is prohibitive at the moment. <laughs> and, and I. I will, uh, I will, I will back it on Kickstarter. Right here, <laughs> if we get all every every listener that listens to this podcast, uh, I'll be it if it's not many. Um, you know, not because of you, Ray, just because of me. Um, 
you know, uh, uh, we, we can back it on Kickstarter and get this thing going. Awesome. Were, were you, uh, would, I heard, we can cut this part out because I don't know if this is, if this is um, off, off, uh, off limits in terms of talking about, <laughs> but uh, Alika obviously has his, has his Melodrip uh, lift, which I don't know if the lift is partially because of, it's lifted off and partially because of his last name, Lifty. <laughs> So I don't know if, if that's if that's both right there, but he has that, and then he created the second model that he has now, and then you created the la- what Aaron Moxley would claim that you said the last Melodrip lift you'd ever made. <laughs> He's told you that. <laughs> he told me that. <laughs> you know, the th- look, the thing about the lift is that yes, I named it because partially because it would look good because the guy who would who would be on the cover of the, the website would be Alika. You know, I would exploit him to death because just because he's a great guy and he's an awesome brewer. Um, but at the same time, it just fits, right? The thing is, uh, for the lift, I was hand making those things. Okay. And people start, like once Alika started competing with that, I would just get DMs like, yo man, how much is that? Can I get that? And I'm like, <laughs> bro, I don't, like, I'm not, you know, I, I, I don't do that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't just sit, I, I can't dedicate that much time to making one. It's crazy. It's made up like of, of like seven or what, nine different parts. And it's like, I gotta go to like freaking Home Depot and cut all this stuff up. It's, it sucks. <laughs> And so like people ask me, it's like, okay, like in the beginning, I was like, nice. And I was like, yeah, yeah, no problem, man. You should check it out. Give me some feedback. Let me, you know, how's this workflow go for you? Give me a recipe if you get one, blah, blah, blah. And I might've made, maybe I may, I could have given out maybe 12 total. I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I don't want to make them. And the thing is that like, <laughs> I, I just, I, I don't want to go there, you know? Yeah. And so whoever has it, it's like mad limited edition. You guys are the only ones. Um, I, I might've sent some to Australia too. So like, there's a, a few people out there who have them. The thing is that it's, it's a hard thing to brew with. You know, Alika yeah. has this hybrid pour where he'll pour outside the dish um, and all this stuff, uh, just because of what it is and what the competition routines are, are supposed to be. Um, so it's a hard thing to brew with, which is the reason why it's hard for us to, um, drop an official version because we do R and D with it. And the versatility uh, is, 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 it just makes a niche product more niche. Exactly. At, at this point, you know, like Alika is doing amazing things with it, but he's also like brewing with like 12 grams, 14 grams, like just insane, like theory behind what he's doing, right? Um, and so for when we try to market it for someone who wants an eight or 10 ounce, they can be like, what the hell is this? It's, not, it's just not gonna work, right? <laughs> right. So like, there's that side of it. Like every product that we drop, it has to meet certain levels of criteria. And one of them being versatility and usability. And yeah. if the product isn't versatile uh, for a customer base that, you know, that we want to attract, um, then it just, it, it's, it's hard for us to release. We are, you know, working on the design for a lift, like a legit one. Um, but we keep having new products in the pipeline that we want to integrate that hands-free feature into. Okay. So we haven't like locked down like, oh, this is the lift. Like every six months we're like, okay, this is the lift. Let's, let's design it this way. Let's go here. And then we get halfway and they're like, yo, we got to do this product, man. It's like, <laughs> you know what? This product, I have the lift on it. And it's like, oh yeah. You know, so it just, it gets pushed back, not because we, we have beef against Alika, 
<laughs> because he's been waiting for like a legit version, but mainly because we we want to release it. So even if you don't use the hands-free side of it, you still get value out of the product. Right. Um, so th that's kind of where it is. And yeah, it, that thing is limited. I'm never making him. I'm never making him again. That's why Alika has his own spiral version because he knows that I'm not doing it. <laughs> I. <laughs> Whenever I first was, so I, 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 you mentioned something earlier talking about how people get defensive when like new ideas are brought up. And I find myself like being in that situation, like quite often. Yeah. Like we don't, we don't like change. We, we want to be, I think part of it is that we want to be right though. Yes. If we can come to the understanding that we're most of the time, not right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or sure. if all the time, For uh, sure. then maybe we're in a better position. But whenever I was competing, uh, I, I I did a I did something weird, um, and and nor would I ever compete like that again because it was <laughs> one it was way too much work that I was putting into that uh, with arguably not you know I, I placed like twenty seventh in nationals you know I, I I did not have good results and so uh, uh, here's my ego coming out there were some other factors there too um, but um, but during that time I was pouring like extremely hard uh do you remember what i did do you remember at all what i did it's okay if you don't i don't okay i so, was wa I, I watched all of that but okay I don't. my memory sucks bro like <laughs> it's so bad that's fine that's fine uh i i was doing so what i essentially was doing i, I was taking i was also using a small dose and i was using size 2 v60s and I, w I don't think I would have been able to use a size one because what I was doing was I was grinding my coffee um, a set amount of time that I had actually dialed in like with my grind size. So it was a process of like gr finding the right grind size and then finding the right grind time. Yeah. And I was grinding a set amount of time um, before competition. So I let I would let Sarah know to tell me, hey, Sarah, I need 13 and a half minutes before it's time for me to go on stage. She's like, Zach, why do I have to do this? You know, and so it was weird, right? But what I was doing was I was trying to, I was just, you, you were talking earlier about being weird for the sake of being weird, but that's not what you were trying to do. Yeah. I was trying to be weird for the sake of being weird. So that, <laughs> that was what I was trying to do. And so I was trying to avoid what was the bloom phase of the brew by using coffee uh that was that was already uh degassed to a certain point that i could just pour it in and then pour uh 100 grams of water um really really hard and then stir real quick like spin real quick spin my spin my dripper and then continue pouring so it's a pretty much a continuous like 200 gram pour um that was the uh -huh. idea behind it was and then i was actually pouring like 15 grams i was actually pouring like 215 grams of water so i think it was like a one to like almost 19 ratio but i was pulling it at what would have been the yield of like a one to 15 ratio. Mm -hmm. So I was just doing really weird stuff, right? So I was coming from that side of it. Yeah. So when Alika was competing with the uh, Mellow Drip Lift, I was like, no way that that tastes better than what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so that was what originally, whenever I was starting to look into, okay, well, I need to figure out, there's, I'm obviously not doing something too right because my coffee doesn't taste that great this was after competition this was like during quarantine um yeah. that's when i was starting to look into using a mellow drip uh i was uh uh reaching out i think to like aaron moxley and 
wanting to borrow his Melodrip lift uh, just so I could play around with it because I was doing, when I first got the Melodrip, I was even still doing like continuous pours. I was like pouring really soft with the Melodrip at first. Yeah. The idea was fluidizing the bed. That was my whole idea, which realistically you've done some, some content on social media that kind of blows my theory out of the water. Um, and then I'd take the Melodrip out and continue pouring really hard. Uh, to fluidize the bed. And then as it got towards the end to continue a uh, longer uh, kind of brew time, if you will, mm-hmm. I then would start pouring softer again and then eventually drop the melodrip back under and, and pour mm-hmm. on that. Um, but that wasn't creating great results. And so then eventually I, I'm now brewing with it the way I brew with it now, which is nowhere near that. Um, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a recipe that I think you would, you would approve of. But, um, <laughs> Dude, I'm not like that, man. <laughs> Do you, man? For real. But, um, I do have a question for you. Yeah. And I, I won't keep you for too much longer, but do you ever see yourself competing? Because in, in my mind, you would you would win. Like you, you would beat me. And, and, I, <laughs> no. and I, I see myself winning when you, if you don't win, you know? And so in my mind, you would beat me. Um, do you see yourself competing ever? Hell to the no. What? Never. No. Why? You guys do are just ridiculous. Look, man, look, I get, I get nervous. I got nervous coming onto this podcast. I can, there's no way I could, I could compete. What you guys do would just, um, I think competitors overall, uh, just have a a different kind of mindset in terms of like the value that they want to bring to the community. And, uh, you have to be really fully invested in that, in terms of bringing, uh, excellence and service and, uh, ideas and knowledge and hospitality, like everything just kind of laser focused into that one moment. I don't have a hospitality background. I don't have this background of serving people coffee and, and reciprocating and seeing that reciprocation of, of joy or that value uh, in terms of when I brew. Um, so I can't refine that. I don't, I don't come from a place where I can act like I know what that is or how, how important that is to the world, I think, you know? Um, so you you kind of have to have that to to really be a great competitor in terms of coffee is is to understand every every aspect of it but because you're presenting it to people you have to understand what the best way to to present to people is you know what they're going to enjoy what they're going to enjoy seeing feeling tasting hearing um and to have that in a cafe setting is the best because you deal with so a wider range uh, of people and personalities that that kind of preps you into fine tuning your presentation skills or just being the all around better competitor uh, when it comes to coffee uh, competition. So no, nah, I, I won't do it because I know that I just won't be able to, to just rock the mic the way that you guys can, you guys and girls can, because it's, it's almost impossible for me to even step into those shoes to see what it's like to serve people coffee um, and get a good or bad reaction and how do I handle that emotionally? How do I reciprocate that into something that uh, I can improve on? Like, I, I don't have that workflow in me. Yeah. Like, I, I strictly focus on brewing pour overs, like all day, because that's all I, all I you know, know that, that's, that's kind of the value that I bring to coffee is um, just knowing as much of, about brewing, you know, the coffee I like uh, as possible. Um, so that, that's it, man. I'm just focusing on that. Yeah. I don't want, I don't want to dilute that side of it at all <laughs> by trying to go out there and, you know, compete with the likes of you. 
in a oh, week. Come and on. Aaron, like get get the heck out of here, man. Hey, listen, man, that that takes a weight off my shoulders because I've, <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm now thinking, oh man, I don't have to compete against Ray. I'm in the clear. Uh, no, man, I I think you would I think you would kill it. I, I think you definitely have those skills. But um, I, I I appreciate those kind of words, and I, I think um, understanding value that we all bring to the industry in different ways is 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 important also so while while you say that that is maybe not where you would contribute as much value though arguably you do because your products used in competitions um you know that's that's uh, you you your understanding of of what you're in the value that you're contributing is 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 important and so um but i appreciate those words last last two questions if you have time yeah yeah i got i got time man Cool, cool, cool. So, <clears throat> one of them's off topic. You're wearing a shirt right now that says "Coffee, Hip Hop, and Mental Health." Um, <laughs> if you don't mind, uh, you mentioned something earlier about music, um, and that being a part of what you were doing. And I may have missed that when you were telling your story. If you did mention it, um, so first of all, can you tell me what that shirt is from and what just about the shirt. And then the second thing, what was your involvement with music or is your involvement with music? Because apparently you are into music. Oh, okay. Um, this, this sweater, I don't really know much about the organization except that it's, it's run by uh, a gentleman who is trying to bring awareness of mental health issues in the African-American community. So his, I think, Reading his bio, uh, he, he grew up having uh, some mental health uh, uh, issues and basically like hip hop music was one of the key factors that allowed him to get the confidence to speak about uh, the things that he was going through. And I think the mission of that uh, organization goes way beyond that. Uh, it goes into like the psychiatry side of stuff. I don't really know much about it except that like hip hop kind of saved my life too. So okay. <laughs> I kind of connected on that, on that same, uh, on that same wavelength. Um, and you know, he, he has a lot of cool stuff. So, uh, if, if you're interested, check out coffee, hip hop and mental health. Nice. Um, okay. but you know, long story short, when I was, when I was a kid, I felt like I was haunted. So I would have all kinds of hallucinations of, uh, being like harassed at night. And like, I would have all kinds of weird uh, episodes of, I, I think there's like a, there's probably like a scientific uh, uh, term for this, but when your whole body is locked, but you're aware of, you know, your surroundings and you're conscious. Yeah. And, you know, I had all these incidents of like, getting like physically like, just not abused, but like, you know, just all kinds of weird things, like hands grabbing me and all this weird stuff uh, when I was small. And, um, at that time, it's like, uh, I, I really loved hip hop, but I never thought about listening to music before going to bed because I was like, that's something that you do during the day. Like, you know, you don't go to bed to music. What is that? And so it got so bad that I was like, I need just, you know, cause if I had the lights on, I couldn't sleep. So I just turned the radio on and listening to like hip hop. Once I started going to bed to hip hop, those hallucinations started to stop. And I was like, man, I wow. cannot stop doing this. Like, this is it. Like I have to, every time, like, you know, I feel a weird episode or I feel kind of strange or like, I feel like 
something you know eerie was happening i just just put on public enemy or like krs like i just put that on and just let it let it roll and i'd be able to go to sleep at night like i'd have like the best sleep and i was like this is it man this is like my savior and um so you know just kind of going back to the music thing like i i i've been making music with with a couple people for maybe since like 93 92 and some of it it's hip-hop some of it's like pop music um, but I was heavy into sampling, crate digging, uh, and uh, I landed like a B movie picture deal, like to to create source music for a movie. And I was like, oh, this is my career, man. This is what I'm doing, you know. Nice. Um, and then like you know, it's just that that whole side of industry is just it's a different kind of thing. So I, I kind of dipped out of that and just you know just went to school. But I never stopped making like beats, like sampling. So I still do that to this day. I just work with one person. Um, not gonna say the outfit because our whole our whole thing like we've only released like one track. We yeah. have like a ton of stuff, but it's mostly for like therapy. This nice. is like what we do as old guys. You know, we talk we talk about music, talk about classic music, make music together, and you know just kind of vibe out uh, just on that side of things. So awesome. that that's always been like my therapy. Uh, I appreciate you myself that. grounded, man. Uh, so it's it's a. Uh, yeah, it's it's definitely a big part of my life, but it's not a part of my life that like I'm trying to like publicize like, hey man, listen to the I just dropped this single, whatever. It's like, no, no, it's never gonna be like that. No. Okay. It's it's literally like that's my favorite form of self-expression. Um, and then like second is like making videos and brewing coffee. But all of that stuff is just a way of kind of releasing creative energy. Okay. And so I actually like doing what I do. Um, but you know, coffee just kind of it's just more fun right now because <laughs> I get because I, I do it every day, you know. It's like, and you know, it's it's something that I could I could share with other people, and 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 they can actually I could have a dialogue with them, you know, because they could tell me how they brewed their coffee or whatever, whatever. So it's always it's always been a lot more fun to dabble in coffee than in music, like just overall. Yeah. That's where it is, man. That's that's yeah. where. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that, man. I didn't. Uh, I didn't know it. It was that's a that's a that's a crazy crazy story, man. Um, it's, it's, your story. it's really strange. It's your, it's your story, man. But that's 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 wild. I appreciate you sharing that. That's awesome, though. Uh, music is music is great. I I love music myself. I don't play any music. Um, trying to teach myself. You know, I read something on the internet. I've always wanted to. I've always wanted to sing, but I've never been a great singer. Crazy. And so. My last question for you is, um, what do you think? Uh, what do you think in the coffee industry uh, could could be could be changed? Could be effectively um, uh, done better, uh, if you will. What what could be? What what is something that that you would personally like to see uh, change a little bit? Like. You know, I think I think just coming from the perspective of like a home brewer, I just identify myself as a home brewer um, with a with an insane with an insane like habit. But um, just kind of like looking in my vicinity, I always have a lot of coffee, and I think because I do have multiple subscriptions and I get gifted a lot of coffee, and I go through bouts of like brewing a lot of coffee and not brewing much coffee because I get crazy busy and I R and D and I get, you know, that cycle just keeps going. So like when I'm not brewing a lot, I just have a lot of coffee. And when I have like old coffee, like I have six bags, like just lying on the floor right now, they're just like halfway through. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like 
these roasters, they have a certain kind of value prop that they want to give their consumers. And if that's a certain amount of coffee and it works for them, it's like, that's cool. But I feel like there should be some level of customization or like variety for different kinds of consumers. And that adds a lot more into, uh, I guess it interrupts like their workflow or interrupts their kind of like system. But the waste is high in terms yeah. of like old coffee, used coffee. I think for a lot of coffee enthusiasts, it could be the case too. I speak to a lot of coffee enthusiasts and they have a lot of coffee just kind of sitting because yeah. they didn't really like it that much. So in terms of like that waste, I would like to see more roasters, you know, have different sizings available. I know that's kind of like a weird bougie thing to ask for because there's so many other things going on in coffee that should be uh, prioritized. But as a home brewer, like for the people that I, interact with all the time yeah. and for my customer like what's important to them is having good coffee but you know making sure that they're able to go through it and not waste coffee so like yeah. even in my feed like there's you know a lot of talk about recycling paper recycling filter paper what we can do with recycled filter papers fun things that we could experiment with um how do we extract super high so we don't have to you know use that much coffee for eight ounces you know stuff like that right that's yeah. all going towards sustainability but the worst thing is like when I get a bag and I'm like, oh, I'm not feeling this, man. And and it's not like I, I'm not going to brew it. Like I'll try to brew it, but I'm the only person that really drinks coffee in the house. So like I, I feel bad because I know it's going to sit there. I'm going right. to get like something dope from Roastful and be like, that's going to take up my whole bar. And it's like, oh, you no. know, by the, by the time the next Roastful come, it's like, man, I have like four pounds sitting under the desk, you know, like half yeah. used. Um, so if, you know, if, I, roasters have been doing this, you know, like Onyx has like a four ounce thing and, you know, I, they, I think even Blue Bottle has multiple sizing options. To have that will, I think, just produce a lot less waste from the consumer side. And it'll allow them to try more stuff because I'd rather get two, four ounces of something I never would have tried rather than one huge one that I'm like kind of, you know, hesitant because it might suck, you know? This sounds like it sounds like I primed you for this question. Like it sounds like <laughs> it sounds like I was trying to to lead into to, to no, it's not. Thing. But uh, I know it's going to sound like that. It's going to sound phony, but, but that, it's, it's that's just like, real. <laughs> that is why that is why we started. Part of the reason why we started Riceful, we would buy way too much coffee, right? And 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 John and I and Julia, we would buy coffee and then we'd share it with each other. John actually was a customer at uh he was a regular at a at a cafe that i first worked at and he would come in and i maybe shouldn't be saying this on air but i've already said it like three times on different things so i'm gonna <laughs> say it anyways so like john would come in and yeah. then i would be like no 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 it's cool uh and I, I might charge him for something and then make him something of my own but i mm -hmm. i wouldn't necessarily make him uh the coffee that was served in the cafe because i'd always have some like weird stuff lying behind bar um <laughs> but no harm no foul uh, it was my yeah. coffee right and yeah. so Jean, Jean would come in and we, we'd try those coffees, but that was why we started part of the reason, not the only reason, but it was part of the reason why we started Roastful was because we wanted a subscription like that. It would be something we would, we would drink. It was actually it was really Jean and Julia's idea. Jean came to me and was like, Hey man, what do you think about starting this? And I was like, nah, man, nobody's going to buy into that. And, <laughs> but, uh, so, so it was their, it was their idea, but, um, yeah, man, that's, that's, I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. So. Yeah, it's. I think it's. I think we experience that. If we're if we're into trying different coffees, you're gonna have a surplus, and that surplus might not be something you like. 
Right. You know, and so if if you can find a roaster or a subscription that serves what you really like, um, you know, ask for them to have different sizing options because you can tell them in data, like I always have this much coffee left over at the end of my term. Like, you know, it's wasteful. Like if you can have something smaller, I'll buy more from you, you know, at, at, a, at, at a better margin for you, you know, just so I don't have to waste so much. And that's just a big thing that like roasters have been doing. Uh, it'll be great to just see that from new roasters and up and coming roasters who are kind of setting up their pricing models and their in their plans, just yeah. because it's, you know, I, I, I hate seeing that. And I, you know, I think we live with that, right? Like people who are in coffee always have some kind of surplus it's right. kind of like lying around so because we're afraid of that day that we don't have coffee it's like we've experienced that before in our life you're like oh my god you know i'm not yeah. about to go to target right now man <laughs> like no you know because we aren't going to go to target we're going to like drink red bull or something like we, it's going right. to be like you know like code red like when there's yeah. no coffee so we hope we all have to make sure that we have coffee but we got to make sure that it's it's the ones that we like you know right so you know, I, I know you got crazy freezer game right now. You know, most, most of us do. <laughs> or whatever you do to store your copy is probably a stash like. I'm not even lying. My grandma got me a, uh, a little like <laughs> vacuum sealer for Christmas. That was what my grandma got me. Right. Uh, so, so right. yes, I'm, yep. I've actually not gotten into the freezer game from a personal perspective because I don't mind coffee that's been if it's especially if it's been roasted well yeah, you know, yeah. Three, three months off roast is, is gonna in my opinion taste very good still yeah, um, yeah. and 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 so but I, I have that option now so the the freezer game is is coming it's coming soon <laughs> but <laughs> hey Ray um, do you do you uh, before we go is there anything else you would you would like to say or or, or uh, think we we covered it um yeah I, no there's there's really nothing else man um you know i really appreciate the time uh just uh just in terms of like what we're doing we're announcing two products this year um and then hopefully hopefully releasing both of them um just i think the big thing is logistics right now getting stuff from overseas or being able to like get suppliers to agree to certain timelines is hard because of the pandemic yep. so it'll be great to like drop but like you know if, or if we can't hit our promise dates, that sucks. But we're, you know, I've been mad quiet on social media right now because I'm in just 100% R&D mode, um, just, you know, grinding on these two products and hoping to get them out this year. There will be announcements. So uh, any anyone who previously has bought a Mellow Drip, I really, really thank you guys because I know you guys are taking a risk uh, on this tool. Um, but, you know, almost all the people who bought it give me, you know, positive feedback. So it's been great. That's the reason, you know, that's a reason why I'm still able to do what I do. And every time I get a purchase, I, I, I am so thankful because it's the craziest thing to buy. I, I, I don't, I would think twice about buying this thing. If I saw it, I'd be like, why would I need this? So like when people buy, I'm like, thank you so much. Um, yeah. but, uh, it, you know, it's, it's also, uh, it's also, you know, been quiet on this end. Um, but it's because we want to release new products into to the to the atmosphere and to kind of into keep pushing uh, coffee brewing in in the upwards direction. And that's you know we we feel confident that we're going to be doing that. Uh, one product is going to be an accessory uh, for the Mellow Drip, and the other one is just going to be an entirely different, world changing type of product. 
Uh, Dude, I'm so stoked. Uh, I was actually going to ask you if there was any products uh, that, that, that you're going to be releasing soon, and I forgot to, so I'm so glad that you said that. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm so excited, man. I'm pumped. Like, you know, like I haven't posted anything in for like six months, but the, the thing is like everything I'm excited about, everything I'm learning right now, everything I'm like trying to, uh, trying to like grind out is going towards this one product. Um, and, you know, everything's you know, turning out well. So uh, numbers are good, usability is good, versatility is good, and everything that's going behind uh, that product is, you know, I feel like is going to change the industry. So it's it's it, at least for home brewers. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm not saying we're trying to save the world here, but Dude. in terms of home home brewers, it's going to change a lot of things. So I don't doubt you. It's it's going to be great, and and you know that's that's the thing. It's like you know we haven't dropped the product because it just doesn't get greenlit. Like it just doesn't make it out. Uh, of our checklist. Yeah. Um, so we finally have a product that I feel ticks all the boxes and uh, is for the future and it's going to be, it's going to be fucking crazy. So, <laughs> That's right. I'm, 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 super, I'm super pumped, man. So I'm, I'm so excited that like, I don't want to do anything except R&D this product. So yeah. I, I can't expose it. Like I, I, can't, I, I don't even know what to, I, I, I don't want to do any social media because that's all I really want to do. Like I only, Dude. I only, I only post stuff that I really love doing. And like right now it's like, that's so hundred percent that I'm not even going to lie. It's just, I don't even want to show anything. Dude, I'm going to just go run a lap outside the building. I'm, I'm so pumped right now. <laughs> it's going to be fun, man. It's going to be fun. Ray, thanks for, uh, thanks for being on here and thanks for talking, man. It's yeah. been, it's been great. Um, if you, uh, well, I don't know how to work show notes. We've not released this podcast yet, That's so cool. we'll 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 drop a link in the show notes. I've just heard people say that, so um, I'll say it myself. We'll drop a link in the show notes for for Melodrip, uh, for social media, both to Ray's Instagram page and to uh, Melodrip's Instagram page. Uh, keep an eye out for these new products. By the time this podcast release, it could be um, it could be it could be out. It could be talked about, um, or or maybe it's not. So yeah, uh, thanks, Ray. Yeah, thank you. Zach. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to know more about Roastful and follow our upcoming projects, you can find us on social media at Roastful Coffee or online at www.roastful.com. If you'd like to know more about our guests and their companies, you can visit the links in our show notes. Thank you.